The heat was the second clue to the sleeper's changing mood. In the short time it took for Roan to walk between the castle gate and the first row of outbuildings inside the stone walls, the weather shifted from temperate summer to sweltering heat. The sleeper's attention must have turned to a realm of deserts. The cackle of chickens became the bleating of goats, and the cry of sheep became the impatience of camels. Roan smiled at the herdsmen suddenly being dwarfed by their charges, who added spitting to their usual forms of disobedience. Yet dreamlanders were accustomed to constant alteration. Such was the will of the sleeper of this region who dreamed this realm and everyone in it. Everybody who lived in the dreamland was used to changing from his or her basic shape, altering looks, sex, even species, when it suited the overintelligence of their creator. Everyone, Rome reflected wryly, except himself. His father and those of the historians who were of a charitable turn of mind used to say that Rome was the exception that proved the rule, that all things in the dreamland changed. Rome Fair, even, was considered to be an oddity, even a freak by some, where it was natural to shift from paradigm to paradigm like the tumbling clouds in the sky constantly forming new pictures. Roan remained firmly fixed as himself. Oh, he'd changed as he'd grown up from top to child to teen to adult, but what he looked like a year later could have been pretty well predicted from the way he had looked the year before. It was not out of stubbornness nor of disrespect to the sleepers that he adhered to one basic form. He simply couldn't help it. He couldn't change himself. Rome was always male, always tall, always gray-eyed and dark-haired and broad-shouldered and long-handed. In other words, always himself. Whoever that was, Rome thought with a sigh. He often felt he'd know more about his inner self if his outer self altered now and again to tell him what was in his subconscious. He was frequently troubled by strange dreams full of portents and weird sights but then his dreams were probably no stranger than anyone else's in or out of the dreamland. He had the wisdom to know exactly what he could change. Blessed with a decent measure of intelligence and sanity, he had a high degree of control over his surroundings and his possessions. It was his very immutability that made it possible for him to take such a dangerous job as King's investigator. He became aware that his good suit of dark wool, tailored silk shirt and necktie, were far too hot for this desert, whereas clothing, like all other inanimate objects, tended to follow the sleeper's design, anything touching, or indeed immediately near Roan, stayed as it had last been put. Roan set his mind to conforming his clothes to a more suitable costume. The fine tailoring shifted and flowed like melting wax, picking up lights from the sun and the heady-scented gardens that blossomed along the pebbled path. Now he was clad in an ankle-length robe of scarlet and blue silk, over silk trousers draping cool around his legs. His formal top hat drooped and became a broad-brimmed sunshade. Much better. Roan sighed and worked his shoulders under the smooth cloth. He scuffed in soft boots along the narrow path bounded by round stones. His steed, following on his heels, had remained a bicycle, instead of turning into a destrier or a camel. He wheeled Cruiser to the stables, a welcome oasis of coolness in the noon heat, and turned it over to an ostler, who clucked through his mustache at the dents in the frame. "'Good as new in an hour, by my word of honor,' the man said, touching his forehead, lips, and heart. "'There's no hurry,' Roan said, returning the gesture. "'I'm home for a while.'